Bruce Cook is honored to have you join his conversations with people committed to talking with heart and brain functions in full operating gear. No spin, no agenda, just authentic conversation on just about anything. Welcome to the Bruce Cook Conversation. Ron Salisbury, owner of the El Cholo and other Southern California restaurants, talks with Bruce about restaurants and other small businesses during the coronavirus pandemic. They also talk about Salisbury's latest book, What They Don't Teach You at the CIA, the Culinary Institute of America. Live on AM830 KLAA tonight, Bruce Cook wraps up the week with talk that's worth tuning into. Sports, people, politics, life, authentic real and happening now. Here's your host, Bruce Cook. Brought to you by New Directions for Women. We know recovery. Angels Radio family, good evening. It's Bruce Cook and it's Sunday night on Angels Radio, AM 830. It's a pleasure and honor always to have you share an hour with me on Sunday night. And tonight, we've got a very special guest and I'm not going to tell you who it is until I give a little bit of a background story, which I think is uh, pretty amazing. 73 years ago, Angels Radio fans, Angels Radio listeners, our guest was a young man of 13 years of age, and he was growing up in Los Angeles, and his big love was the Angels. And at 13, he could manage to find a quarter to go to then Wrigley Field in South Central Los Angeles for a minor league game for the Los Angeles Angels. My guest is Ron Salisbury, ladies and gentlemen. He is the third generation of a historic restaurant family in Southern California. They are the founders and the operators for some 90 years of El Cholo. You've all been there. There are many of them all over Southern California, and it is an institution. Today, at 86, Ron Salisbury and his sons, daughters, and grandchildren make five generations of that family that run that restaurant. This is a remarkable story. We could spend the next two hours talking about the story, but instead, or in part, Ron has written a book. It is called... Actually, he's written other books, but the latest book is called What They Don't Teach You at the CIA. Now, CIA doesn't mean Central Intelligence Agency. It means Culinary Institute of America. It's a handbook, ladies and gentlemen. And since we're in this COVID-19 world that we're in and restaurants are suffering just about more than anybody, business-wise, lifestyle-wise, this book is really a manual of survival. It's a manual of success. And what's better about it is that it isn't just for restaurants or restaurateurs or restaurant employees. It's called basic, common, human dignity, good sense stuff that applies not only to other businesses, but to life. So I'm gonna start after this long introduction by welcoming Ron Salisbury to Angels Radio. And Ron, I want you to further explain that experience at the minor league game at Wrigley's Field. You write about it in your book. You call it the quarter, 50 cent, and dollar experience of life. What does that mean? 
Well, I was, first of all, I was not a very good student going through school. I, uh, uh, to kind of detail a little bit, I want to go to UCLA desperately because the football coach there was a good friend of my dad. But UCLA had this thing about grades, and they didn't want me because I didn't study going through high school. I didn't do too well in, in college either. But I learned a lot of things outside of there, and the story about the Angels was really one of the best ones ever. Uh, you mentioned I, I used to go to the games. All I could afford was the 25-cent seats, which were up high above. And I'd look down at the people sitting in the 50-cent seats, and I thought, oh, my gosh, it must really be something to be that close and sit down there. So one day I thought, mm, I've got 50 cents in my pocket. I'm going to spend it. I immediately sat in that seat, and I turned around and looked at the people in 25-cent seats, and I said, you know what? I don't care what it takes. I'm never going back to sit up there. Never going back <laughs> up there. And then, of course, you know, the, the end of it, of course, then the, the box seats, which are really box seats. They had a little bar around them. And they were $1, which is a really big expenditure. Of course, I would sit there and lust and wish I could sit in those seats. Of course, one day I had a dollar in my pocket, and long story short, sat in those seats. So I, I want to sit in those seats the rest of my life. That philosophy you express in everything you do in the restaurant business. You quote, you quote um, uh, Robert Heinlein in your book, right. talking about... <laughs> Less is not more, basically. Yeah. Moderation is no good. What does that mean, and he, he how went, did you he, apply that in your life? Well, he, went take, he said, take big gulps out of life. And, uh, again, the, the other thing, too, I have a, a money clip when I was dating my current wife. I, we were talking, and one time I said, you know what? You always want to sit on the 50-yard line. Even if it costs you more, you go to a ball game, you want to experience the game from the 50-yard line. So we, we kind of had this saying that uh, to go through life, if possible, make it work, sit on the 50-yard line because you might as well enjoy things. You may only be there once. You might as well enjoy it. You also talk a lot about business today being too corporate, being too much too much analytics, too many people counting the pennies and not paying attention to the humanity. Delve into that a little bit. Well, I think we've seen that with the, there three there's kind of two types of businesses in the restaurant business and the one is the kind that I believe in. Uh, some of you know of Hans Prager, who owned the Ritz, who was my one, if I had an idol in the restaurant business, it was Hans. Um, Craig Nikoloff, who, even though he came from a big company of founding the Acclaim Jumper, he still believes that. When we got to dinner, he'll still get tears in his eyes thinking about when he had to please his dad. Those of us, we did it strictly because we loved it, and we wanted to be the best we can. And the other ones who count the beans, and they truly they measure things, and they can succeed, it's two different things. We don't even see eye to eye. So they're different people. Um, you you have a, a, a an anecdote in there about how how a restaurateur could lose ten thousand odd dollars <laughs> instead of making money. It it ties into what you're talking about. Which one was that? Remind me about the. It's about um, uh, taking reservations, you know, for for a better table and. Uh, you might have a $400 reservation and you turn away other people. Oh, okay. Well, you, you do have to think those type of things through. That, uh, For instance, there used to be something in the restaurant industry that when you had a waiting line and people were calling two weeks ahead to make reservations, you did not reserve your four tops for deuces who called in early because if you waited long enough, a four top is going to call. So it's kind of a little secret that you, if you, <laughs> they would always say, for instance, they'd always say, uh, what time do you want to come? That was their key. And then you say, uh, and, and they say, how many do you, how many are there of you? And you say two, and they say, oh, we can take you at six up to six thirty and after nine. Uh, so I thought I thought about it one time I called back. I thought 
I called back and said, you know, there's four of us. I got right in, and it, the light went on. It dawned on me. Uh, I told a good friend of mine about that, and he pulled it on me in one of my own restaurants the next week. So I have to be careful. you got to be careful what you share, right? <laughs> yeah. Along the same lines, a lot of restaurants, you say in your book, make a mistake where the hostess answers the phone at 8.30. Let's say the restaurant's going to close at 9, and the hostess or the host tells the potential patron, we're going to close in a few minutes. You say don't never do that. Well, it's because she wants to get home, and she knows if someone comes in. So I will call. I'll have my wife or someone call the restaurant where they don't recognize the voice and with about 10 minutes before they close and just say, we're five minutes away. Um, can you take us? And I want to hear what the answer is. If they say, you know what, as long as you arrive by 9 or 10, you'll be received the fine, wonderful service you used to giving, or they might say, no, we're closing. Then that, that's the clue. <laughs> but you have to keep on doing it. That will never end. I've been doing that 50 years ago, still doing it. One of the main other themes that I really enjoyed was attention to detail in life, that you that the smallest thing really makes a big difference and can matter. It can matter so much it could break a business. Well, it's funny. It's, it's, if you're getting back to people like Hans Prager and Craig and other people who I find really care deeply about the restaurant business and doing the dry job, the one thing that hits them is there's a light bulb out. You walk in the restaurant, and we all have that in common, and it's kind of like, I had that idea. This person had the, the idea. And all of a sudden, we got together and realized we had the same idea. For some reason, restaurateurs who really care deeply about details, they will walk to see if there's any light bulbs out. Because they know if there's a light bulb out and that wasn't taken care of, then other things are not taken care of, too. But that's an easy one to pick up. What about telling your wait staff if it's slow to be doing things in the restaurant? Wipe down the glasses. Change the... Uh, uh, Fold the napkins, whatever whatever it is. Don't just stand there looking like you've got nothing to do. Well, of course, when you walk into a restaurant and see people standing around, that's not a good sign. It means that things are not happening here. Maybe I shouldn't be here. But if people are doing things all the time, and I, a kid them, I say, if, if there's glass on the front door, be cleaning the glass all the time. And I say, if, if you clean it once, go back and clean it. Clean it till you wear it out. Uh, and that way, when people walk in, they see that people care deeply about what's going on. They see energy going on. And uh, they have a really good feeling about their restaurant. What and al also, I, I had to yeah, do too. When you're doing things like that, your adrenaline is flowing, and so you know how it is that, that, that when you do a uh, say a photo shoot or something, the first time never works because your adrenaline was going, and you do it several times to get your up your energy going. So if your people are doing things like that all the time, their adrenaline is flowing, and now when they greet people, they're anxious and they're eager and they're 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 really. They're really coming out and expressing themselves to people. So, so in other words, energy feeds energy. Absolutely. So if you're active, you're going to get involved. You're going to get more in tune with the people that are there, and it's going to be a better experience. And, and the people, if, if you're cleaning, it says the message simply, they really care about this place. So how important is the quote-unquote experience versus the quote-unquote food, ambiance, and all the rest? Where does that ex that magical experience lie? Well, I think a lot of restaurants, they fall prey to, if especially the chef, he thinks it's all about the food. And you and I both know it's not. It really is the total experience. And sometimes the total experience is something you don't even know. All you know is when you walked out that night, you feel really good about yourself being there. And you may not even be able to pinpoint why you feel good about it. 
but it, everything was in sync. Yeah, and it probably starts with the valet. Did the valet, were they kind? Were they retreated you? Was the door, were there no fingerprints on the front door? Was there any papers on the floor as he walked in? Were you greeted well? What about being greeted by your name? Your name? What about, what about not just for returning customers where you know their name, mm-hmm. but you talk about that in the book also. A really good host in a restaurant will look at a reservation. They'll see who's coming in. When they check in, maybe the maybe he tells the waiter, "This is Mr. and Mrs. Smith." Refer to them by Mr. and Mrs. Smith, or refer to them by name rather than just "Hi, sit down." Well, there's an old axiom that your nothing is sounds good as your, the sound of your own name, so you want to use that as often as you can. One of the biggest things that we missed out, and I think I point out in that book, is it, it's easy when someone comes in all the time and you're friends with them, you get to know them. But the person who walks in first time, you, you have no connection with them. And they can slip in and slip out. And so what we really want to focus on is the first time, because the people who come in all the time, they're already your friend. And, of course, you want to take care of them. But you can spend so much time talking to the people, your friends. You make no contact with this person who walked in who's now judging whether they ever want to come back again. Our business is really built, and this is one of the issues that I find going forward with the new opening of the restaurants is our business is built with a skewed, a little bit older clientele because it takes a long time to develop relationships and bonds, and therefore you're going to be a little bit older for that to kick in. And we find that's what our business is built on, is building memories in the restaurants, making people feel really good about themselves. So, again, I'll go back to finding the people who come in for the first time. We, We have the hostesses say, you've dined with us before, haven't you? And then they'll say, oh, no. If they say, you've dined with us, it sounds like we're being insincere. We're really trying to just to get to know what we can do to make people. And, of course, part of that is identifying the people who come for the first time. So if they come for the first time, uh, we, we use that thing, you've dined with us before. Uh, it makes it feel like we recognize them. Oh, no, they, but now we know. And now we know to spend a little spe- special attention. Maybe we can send something to the table. Maybe the chef can stop by and talk to them. And now we start to develop that bond. Um, along those same, sli- same lines, explain to people that love restaurants that listen to this radio station, and there are many, of course. Right. Explain what that philosophy of developing business you mentioned that you know your regulars, and the regulars come in once, twice, three times a month, maybe more. Mm-hmm. How do you develop the new business beyond what you just talked about when a new person comes in to try and get them to become one of those regulars? You say also, and I found this very interesting, that most people that love restaurants love a few. They go back to a few. They have a handful, maybe three, five yeah. restaurants that they repeat business on. And they're not so quick to go out and try new things. No, you have those favorites. You know that when you come home and you want to go out and have an enjoyable evening or you want to be some friends. Now, occasionally that new hot restaurant will slip in. And everybody wants to try it because. And how many times have you gone to that new, quote, hot restaurant and never gone back again? And, and most of them live on new planets until they finally run through everybody and then they're gone. Good point. Ron, we're going to take our first break, but you brought something up in this quarter hour that I, I hope you won't mind my playing off of. Not at all. And that's the idea of memories. When you've had a family business for 90 years, there's a lot of people listening to this station that have been to El Cholo's and also to the cannery in Newport Beach, mm-hmm. and Louis in Newport Beach. 
the cat and the what's Cu- it called the, the cat and the custard cup and the the custard cup in, um, in La Habra. La Habra. Mm-hmm. If you're listening tonight, people, and you have a favorite memory of going to one of Ron's restaurants, El Cholo or the others I mentioned, call in. We want to hear your memory. And as a Memorial Day thank you for calling in and sharing with us, we're going to give you a $25 gift certificate to go back to El Cholo. I think that's a pretty good Memorial Day thing, don't you, Ron? You're a good marketer. Yeah, thank you. We're going to market tonight. <laughs> I didn't know that until just now. But yeah, well, we're going to do <laughs> I it. I love it. Anyway, the phone number, as you know, 714-283-0830. Or if it's more simple to say it this way, 714-283-830. Call in with an El Cholo memory, people. I'm Bruce Cook. I'm with Ron Salisbury on Angel Radio tonight. And we will be right back. Angels Radio. AM830. If the woman you love, your mother, wife, daughter, sister, partner, or friend is on a downward spiral from substance abuse and doesn't know where to turn, let us help. New directions for women. A Costa Mesa-based addiction treatment facility has the answer. Since 1977, we have helped over 5,000 women change their lives, returning them to sober, healthy living, restoring love, hope, and dignity to them and their families. Don't wait another day. The woman you love needs your help now. Call us at 888-786-0509. Or visit us at www.newdirectionsforwomen.org. Again, 888-786-0509. New Directions for Women. We know recovery. These are really tough times, so dealing with your timeshare may not be your biggest concern. But when this passes, are you still going to want a lifetime of payments, fees, and commitments for a timeshare you were misled into buying? Hi, I'm Chuck McDowell, founder of Wesley Financial Group. More than ever, taking care of our physical and financial health has never been more important. If you were told that timeshare was a great investment or your maintenance fees will never go up, you need my help. In 2020, a lot of things have changed, but one thing hasn't. Our commitment to helping good folks cancel your timeshare contracts permanently. We've helped over 13,000 families completely eliminate their timeshare debt, saving them an average of $65,000 in lifetime timeshare payments. Call my office today. I guarantee we take you as a client, we'll cancel your timeshare contract, or you'll pay nothing. Call for your free information kit, 800-885-3333, 800-885-3333, Asking for help in life takes bravery. Women addicted to alcohol and drugs know this very well. Most suffer silently while their lives fall apart, their children and their families in crisis. For more than 40 years in Southern California, New Directions for Women has helped addicted women recover in a nationally recognized treatment facility in Costa Mesa. Their doors are wide open. It just takes the first step. Call New Directions for Women. The number is 888-786-0509. Again, 
786-0509. You can also visit them at www.newdirectionsforwomen.org. New Directions for Women. They know recovery. Bruce Cook wants to hear from you. Now back to your host, Bruce Cook. Bruce Cook does want to hear from you, and so does Ron Salisbury, the El Cholo family guy who's with me tonight. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to plug this again, people. If you have an El Cholo memory or a cannery or a Louis or any of his restaurants, this is your chance to call in and share memories. This is Memorial Day, and we are, we are memorializing. 714-2-830-830. Join us. We want to hear from you. Anyway... Back to Ron and back to talking about life and times. Ron just got here. He just got here tonight at Angel Stadium from Newport Beach. And as a restaurateur who's about to open his own restaurants, first I want, Ron, you to share with us what your, what your plans are in terms of opening your restaurants. But then share with the listening audience what you shared with me before the show about what's happening today, this weekend, this Saturday, Sunday rather, at the beach and what the crowds are doing at the restaurants. Well, it's kind of interesting. Of course, uh, Los Angeles is on lockdown, and we don't have any idea when it's going to reopen. So we're dealing with the restaurants in Orange County. I just left. We uh, got the word that we could open yesterday about uh, 10 o'clock in the morning. So we kind of did what we could. We're not really officially open, open like we normally would be, but uh, some of the restaurants are putting things together, and the people are pouring in there. And uh, I, I, you know, now we're we're not sure what we're going to be facing when these people come in. What, what it's going to be like? We're getting an early indication. I saw no one wearing masks. I saw no one cared about social distancing. It was exactly like nothing had ever happened. You mentioned to me that your staff was concerned about that because they are adhering to the state guidelines. They're wearing masks. They're mm-hmm. trying to keep social distancing, but the public, they just want to get back to normal. They don't care. How is that? How is that handled? And and are you gonna, are you gonna have difficulty with that? It's gonna be difficult. You know, before we were in a rhythm, everybody had their habit patterns. Uh, everybody knew what they're doing. Everybody knew how to behave. This whole thing has so disrupted us that we've developed new habit patterns. We're uncertain. We're trying to react about trying to come out suddenly and have life again. And it's just it's it's a lot of chaos right now. And because of that, and of course the people that are coming out obviously with the way they're behaving. They're saying, I don't really care about this anymore. The staff, who does care because they, they care, yeah, we're concerned how they feel about it. And I've had people saying, I, I'm not sure I might could continue working on that, these conditions. That's a that's going to be a real challenge, and, and we're going to just have to see how it plays out. I think we have a caller. Do we have a caller? We do have a caller. Ron, let's take the caller. We'll come back to this heavy subject in a minute. But okay. I, think, I think we've got uh, a caller named Lee from Corona Del Mar. Lee, are you there? Hey, and Ron. Hi, how are you tonight? <laughs> we both recognize Lee. <laughs> Lee, I think, are you a ringer? <laughs> I think... No, but I was just listening, and I didn't know you were going to ask for memories, and I have a couple of great ones to share. <laughs> well, we're, we're delighted to have you on, and I, in, because I believe in broadcast honesty, ladies and gentlemen, I did not tell Lee Healy to call. This is Lee Healy. She is... She's a major force in Orange County restaurants, but we're we're honored to have you on the phone. So share the memory. Before you say that, yeah. you, you've got to add, it was Lee that said, 
I had to meet you. That's right. <laughs> and, and she put us together for lunch. That's Otherwise, right. We wouldn't be here. That's right. Lee know. Healy, you did introduce us. Share your memory. Well, actually, we had it when we had our luncheon last year, and that is um, El Cholo's famous sweet corn tamales, which are at this time of the year. Incredible signature item. Ron, I know, has a lot of fun stories on those. And may I add, without mentioning any competitors, the concept has been copied, but no one can really duplicate El Cholo's sweet corn tamales. <laughs> Thank you, Lee. <laughs> How's that, Ron? That's a pretty good testimony. <laughs> Thank you. You know, the funny story goes along with that. We... Uh, for we you know, ever since 1923, we were cutting the corn off the cob with knives. And everyone saw people would cut themselves, right? So about 15 years ago, I walked into a Ralph's Market, and I saw this can sitting there. And it was Del Monte's corn off the cob. And I thought to myself, after all these years, I'll bet Del Monte doesn't have a bunch of ladies sitting around cutting it off the cob. I'll bet there's actually a machine. And, of course, there was. But it took me... I'm a slow learner. It was, a, and of course, a friend of mine located a used corn cutting machine, and we flew up to San Jose and brought it down, and we were able to cut the corn with this machine that just zipped it through and did a better job. But yeah, I have a, a lot of stories where um, I learn late in life. I just hope I live long enough to learn it all. I think you've done pretty well, Mr. Salisbury. <laughs> Wouldn't you agree, well, Miss Healy? Wonderful dish. And Bruce, um, another thing about El Cholo, and again, not to mention our cross-town rivalry because I'm a Bruin and you're a Trojan, uh, very close to the original uh, El Cholo on Western. But one thing I love about Ron's menu, and it's, it's so distinctive, is they have dishes in the years they were invented, like, and who, nach like nachos in the year for that, or fajitas, or uh, I think the albondiga soup is another one. But Ron, ha Ron, that's just, it's a great concept. I don't know how you came up with it, but it really personalizes the menu. Let me add to that, Lee. I, Since you brought it up, I started going to El Cholo when I was at USC, and I think it was the first Mexican restaurant I went to in Los Angeles as a student, and that was a long time ago, and I've been going for the last 50 years to El Cholo, and I've never ordered anything but the same dish, <laughs> the tostada compuesta, and I don't remember the year, but I've I've ordered that same thing every time. Well, you just got $25, Bruce, for your story. <laughs> <laughs> I just got my own $25. No, it's Lee's get the $25. Lee, can well, I? But but that's that's that's, um, a, that's a funny story because we are people are so used to ordering the same thing. I, I was tempted one night to just never put menus on the table, and then if someone says, "May I see a menu?" it would have indicated they'd never been in before. I'm going to see if it get through the whole night without anybody asking for menus. Well, never I, done it. actually, in this post-pandemic era, you're not going to be able to put a menu on the table <laughs> no, anyway. No, maybe you're just going to have to ask the people. I don't know, Lee. Before you go, I understand that you, who represents a lot of restaurants at South Coast Plaza, are opening June 1. That's correct. We're very excited about it. It's going to be, everything's going to be very safe and up to code. And uh, we posted on social media, and the response was tremendous. We've gotten several thousand people, and people just, they crave dining out, they crave shopping, they crave special experiences and memories, and I think that's what we're all going to do for them in a very short order. Before you called in, Ron had mentioned the, the mobs were were pouring into restaurants in Newport that he experienced today. 
And he was a little concerned, well, actually very concerned, about the possibility that the staff feels uncomfortable about these mobs of people descending upon restaurants after this, this shutdown for so long. Do you care to make a comment on that? Well, um, you know, we have been given guidelines, and I think you have to take reservations thoughtfully, not overcrowd, you know, can't get greedy. We've seen a lot of people in there. Um, obviously, you can't have a mask on when you're eating or drinking food, you know, enjoying, the, enjoying what the restaurant offers, but um, there's a lot of things about not waiting in the lobby, the spacing in the bar. Um, I think if restaurateurs are mindful of that, it's just going to create a safer experience and guests will feel more comfortable. Ron, what have you done at the Cannery and at Louis um, when they open to make this work like we've been talking about? Different from El Cholo, different experience. Well, we're pretty well going to follow the guidelines that have been widely printed, uh, which calls some of the unusual thing of having people wait in their car and we have to call them, which is... And this is what worries me is um, we discussed earlier about the experience being the whole thing. Now, if going out to eat and yet you're having to sit in your car, it's kind of tarnishes the experience. Are people going after a while say, you know, it's not the same experience going out. Let's not go out tonight. It's not quite the same. And that is one of the big things that's concerning me going forward. I guess it's another thing we're going to have to wait and see, and it's yeah. going to change and evolve as you go. Yeah. Anyway, Lee, it's it's always wonderful to hear from you. Thank you for checking in with your El Cholo. Likewise, Lee. <laughs> you take care of yourself. Goodbye. Thank you, gentlemen. Yeah. Take care, Bye-bye. Lee. Bye. Goodbye. Uh, Ron, it's time for our half-hour break. Ladies and gentlemen, we still have those $25 gift certificates to El Cholo. If you want to call in like Lee and share your memory, 714-283830. We're going to take a commercial. If you call in during the commercial, don't hang up. It only lasts for a couple minutes, and then we'll get you on. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm Bruce Cook with Ron Salisbury. Angels Radio tonight, Sunday Night Live. We'll be right back. Angels Radio. AMA 30. Asking for help in life takes bravery. Women addicted to alcohol and drugs know this too well. Most suffer silently while their lives fall apart, their children and families in crisis. For more than 40 years in Southern California, New Directions for Women have helped addicted women recover at our nationally recognized addiction treatment center in Costa Mesa. Our door is wide open. Take the first step. Call us at 888 786-0509 or visit us at www.newdirectionsforwomen.org Again, 888-786-0509 New Directions for Women We know recovery Let's say you just bought a house Bad news is you're one step closer to becoming your parents, which means you're going to start telling your kids to clean up before the cleaning lady comes. Doesn't make sense, but you're the parent and they're the kids. You're going to start telling them that now, too. Good news is it's easy to bundle home and auto through Progressive and save on your car insurance. And there's your opening to remind them who pays the bills around here. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discount not available in all states or situations. Oh, oh, oh. 
Get your vehicle ready for Memorial Day weekend. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts for five quarts of Valvoline full synthetic motor oil and a Wix filter for just $33.99. Plus get a $15 gift card after mail-in rebate. Protect your engine and keep it running smooth with Valvoline full synthetic. O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. If the woman you love, your mom wife, daughter, sister, partner, or friend is on a downward spiral from substance abuse and doesn't know where to turn, New Directions for Women can help. It's a Costa Mesa-based addiction treatment facility that has the answer. Since 1977, New Directions for Women has helped more than 5,000 women change their lives, returning them to sobriety, healthy living, restoring love and hope, and providing dignity for them and for their families. Don't waste another day. The woman you love needs your help now. Call New Directions. The number is 888-786-0509. Once again, call 888-786-0509 or visit them at www.newdirectionsforwomen.org. That's New Directions for Women. They know recovery. To talk to Bruce Cook, pick up the phone and dial 714-2830-830. Good Sunday evening, everybody. I'm Bruce Cook. I'm here tonight with Ron Salisbury, and we are talking about El Cholo restaurants and others that he and his family own and operate. 90 years, people. That's pretty much a record in Los Angeles. There aren't too many other companies, let alone restaurants, that have survived that kind of history. We got a caller. We got a caller from La Habra. His name is Paul. Paul, are you there? I certainly am. And, uh, gosh, I'm just so happy to have this man on from El Cholos. Uh, I'm uh, also a graduate of USC, and when I was going and living up on a row at USC, uh, 47th Street there, we all used to climb into the cars and go over to El Cholos in downtown uh, L.A., all SFC guys, and it, they always treated us great. And, you know, the one thing that I really liked, I moved down here to La Habra, and sure enough, there's a beautiful, fantastic, it's just the most wonderful-looking building. The architecture is great. It looks just like a Spanish hacienda, and it's just great. And so I go over to that one all the time. It's over here on Whittier Boulevard in downtown La Habra. And the best part about it that I think that uh, I just want to make sure, Ron, that you, you call it out with this gentleman that you're talking to, from El Cholo, is the freshness, the absolute freshness of the lettuce and all the food, like you were talking about how you cut the corn uh, yourselves for your uh, uh, tamales and tortillas and things. And the best part is, like, the freshness of the lettuce and your tostadas. You can just, oh, it just makes my mouth water when I think about it. It's just the very, very best. Uh, Paul, I, I don't know. I think we have to give him two twenty-five dollar gift certificates. This is a te- this is a commercial testimonial. What with, do you with, say, you Ron? Have his address. Oh, we have his address, I'm right? So glad. I'm so glad that you are in my town here of La Habra, and it's you're the by far the best uh, the <laughs> best restaurant in town. And everybody, all my neighbors, we all know about it. And we all pile in the car once in a while and go on down there. And we try to support it because it's such a great, just even looking at it on the outside, it looks like a beautiful Spanish hacienda. How many years have you been yeah. going there, Paul? To the many, winter. many, many years. In, in the Harbor, yeah. 
I don't know if you know the, 20 the, the, maybe. the story. Is in, everybody says, why did you put a restaurant in La Habra? Well, I, I, lived in, I lived in La Mirada and then moved to Whittier, and then we put a restaurant in there, in there because I had $12,000. And I was one, uh, on Mondays, I had a day off from working for my dad and I wanted something to do. So we opened a little takeout store. I don't know if that probably was well before your time, down the street. And I, all, the whole $12,000 I had went in to open it. And then three years later, oh. we, opened, we opened where you, where you go now. And so, yeah, yeah that's uh, been, uh, it, 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 people will say, well, you know, that, that wasn't a, uh, an area like Newport Beach. It's where I lived, and just that's why we opened a restaurant there. No, no, other, well, business, so, no, no other business uh, decision, just that. Great so story. Thankful you, what, a, what a piece of luck for all of us here in La Habra. <laughs> thank you. And thank you so much for, we all support it, and we love that restaurant. And, again, it's the freshness that makes the difference. It's just, you feel like it's just been cut and just been, thrown into the bowl and uh it's just just wonderful well, so thanks, thank paul. you so very much paul don't don't hang up uh our uh producer christian's going to take your address uh, so we can send you that gift certificate uh so stay well, on the line thanks thanks, yeah, thanks, thanks, thank paul. thanks paul for your kind words all right pretty good pretty good testimony wouldn't you say yeah and you know it, it's uh <laughs> really cuts the in the day-to-day it's when you hear things like this that it really touches you down deep. It sounds funny. It's not anything else but just hearing that somehow someone feels that excited about it. And this may be because it goes back to your mom and dad. It's my mom and dad taught me that. And I feel, yeah, I'm doing what they taught me. And somehow I hope they, they appreciate it. Well, since you brought that up, share with us about your parents. What was it like growing up in that business, in the Depression, during World War II, what did your parents teach you? What do you remember about them? What do you want to tell us? Well, I I feel very, very fortunate that I grew up being aware of at least what was going on during the Great Depression because what I saw, how they lived and how they viewed things, it was very simple. It was very clean. It was very the do the right thing. It was You always thought about doing the right thing. Matter of fact, growing up during that period of time, if someone, if you walked into, a say, a sporting goods store and the man said, hey, kid, do you want a job? you automatically took it. Now, I don't know if that happens today, but that was the kind of world it was. But my parents, you know, they lived simply. It was an interesting world because uh, the Cadillac was the ultimate car. There were no foreign cars. So if you owned a Cadillac, you really were kind of showing. But I can remember that my dad and some of his friends, even though they might have been able to afford a Cadillac, you shunned it because if you bought the Cadillac, you were showing off. And that was the kind of... uh, world I grew up in. It was, it, I loved it. It was clean. It was straightforward. It was simple. And uh, I keep wishing I could get back to it somehow. But I don't know if that's going to happen. Things have changed no. so much. I mean, it's a world of excess now, which is really strange because this pandemic has brought to the forefront the fact that we are a very fortunate, blessed country, but there's a lot of people suffering. This country, we think of it as being a rich country, but it's not so rich when how many, you know, tens of millions of people are out of work and can't pay for one month's rent. There's a lot of people that, uh, you know, there's stories and stories abound. And, of course, my heart goes out directly to the people who, the people I know, that little restaurateurs who put their life savings into a little restaurant, and they're not going to surface. You know, we hear so many restaurants are not going to open. We have no idea until with this clears and the battlefield shows up and you see all these people because they're not announcing they're not open. They just won't be there. And that was maybe their one shot at their dream. Uh, and, and I know there's a lot of other stuff and other things too. 
but those in particular are kind of on my mind lately. Well, the t- the statistics are alarming. I mean, yeah. there there are pundits who say that 30, 40, 50% of those restaurants will just vanish. Easily. And it has a ripple effect. Not mm-hmm. only does it destroy the lives of the people that you have talked about that are investing their life savings, but all the people that work there. How about the real estate? How about all the vendors? How about the food suppliers? Mm-hmm. It it keeps going and going, which brings us full circle back to you. You've survived this, and you've you've survived a lot in your ninety, almost ninety year life in terms of challenges. But you shared with me that this was probably the worst. Why? Well, you say survived. I never viewed it. I was surviving anything, and we just it was a great ride, and it had its obstacles and. I guess one of the analogies I thought of, well, when we started on this river trip and, yeah, obstacles came up, but they were kind of challenges and they were fun and they were hard and maybe they were disappointing, but nonetheless, you knew you could get around them. You knew there were obstacles. You continue on flowing down the river. This is like if you do river rafting, you know that level six is the highest level of river rafting. This is like a level six. It, it Just from my perspective of having lived for so long, I would say that bundle up all the other things that I've experienced, including the Great Depression, and put them together, and they don't even ma- begin to measure up what we've been through for a variety of reasons. And, it's only, and, you know, we have to really slap ourselves across the face. It's only been two and a half months. We're talking about ten weeks. Mm-hmm. Great Depression lasted for several years. Ten weeks have turned this country upside down and inside out. The thing— we started talking about in the beginning of our talk together tonight was the fact that in today at least in one place in Newport where we came from you saw the crowds instantly returning like nothing happened that on one hand is is kind of a foretelling of good but it's also scary it's also scary because i would have hoped and we we touched on this earlier that all of us would have learned some lessons about doing the right thing that we've talked about, respecting one another, taking care of one another, taking care of our health, obviously, and also watching our finances and our money. You know, if if the pundits are right and most of the Americans don't have more than $400 in their bank account in savings and most people cannot last a month in terms of finances and paying their mortgage or their rent – we need a we need a whole big adjust, adjustment in our philosophy of life. And how do we solve it? I don't know. But you know what? I don't think our politicians know either. And I don't care if you're a Trump person or you're a Gavin Newsom person or you're a Democrat. I don't care because I don't think any of them really know. I think they're all struggling to find the answers. I'm kind of an anti-politician person, but that's <laughs> you didn't hear that. Well, it's all right. <laughs> I think we got to take a break. Um, I'm getting the signal from Christian, so we're going to get off this heavy stuff. And we'll be back with more heavy stuff, ladies and gentlemen. And our last segment, if you have another memory, we want to hear from you. 714-283830. I'm Bruce Cook, and we will be right back. Angels Radio. AM 830. If the woman you love, your mother, wife, daughter, sister, partner, or friend is on a downward spiral from substance abuse and doesn't know where to turn, let us help. 
New Directions for Women, a Costa Mesa-based addiction treatment facility, has the answer. Since 1977, we have helped over 5,000 women change their lives, returning them to sober, healthy living, restoring love, hope, and dignity to them and their families. Don't wait another day. The woman you love needs your help now. Call us at 888-786-0509 or visit us at www.newdirectionsforwomen.org. Again, 888-786-0509. New Directions for Women. We know recovery. Whether you're working remotely, taking web classes, binge-watching TV, or gaming, Dell is here to help you find the right tech. From XPS and Alienware computers that are redefining what's possible with 10th-gen Intel Core processors to the latest top-brand electronics, our seamless tech solutions will help keep you connected. Plus, get free shipping. Call us today at 800-BY-DELL. That's 800-BY-DELL. Every home has a to-do list. That leaky drain, bare spots on the lawn, repainting the trim. To finally get that to-do list done, call in a pro. Over the past 20 years, HomeAdvisor has connected over 100 million homeowners with trusted local pros. And during these times, we're making it easier than ever for great pros to join the HomeAdvisor network. For a limited time, home service businesses can get $200 in free advertising. Visit HomeAdvisor.com offer for details. That's HomeAdvisor.com offer. Asking for help in life takes bravery. Women addicted to alcohol and drugs know this very well. Most suffer silently while their lives fall apart, their children and their families in crisis. For more than 40 years in Southern California, New Directions for Women has helped addicted women recover in a nationally recognized treatment facility in Costa Mesa. Their doors are wide open it just takes the first step. Call New Directions for Women. The number is 888-786-0509. Again, 888-786-0509. You can also visit them at www.newdirectionsforwomen.org. New Directions for Women. They know recovery. Bruce Cook wants to hear from you. Now back to your host, Bruce Cook. And we're back, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Bruce Cook. It's Sunday Night Live on Angels Radio AMA 30. And we're having a great time tonight with Ron Salisbury, the chairman of El Cholo and other restaurants in Southern California, although he doesn't like titles. So I I might have made a mistake by calling him the chairman. You saw my business card, didn't you? No, I haven't. Didn't you? No. What does it say? It says uh, grandson of the founder, and there's a story there. Okay. Well, share the story. Okay. Well, uh, there was a um, owner of a large chain of restaurants. I will leave name unnamed. He came into the cannery one night and gave me his card, and it was uh, he was quite filled with himself. And he said uh, his title said CEO and founder of this chain. I thought, whoa! I never put titles on mine, but maybe I do need a title after all. Well, I said, okay, if he's the founder. My grandparents founded the first El Cholo, so I guess that makes me the grandson of the founder. And so that's my title. People say, what does that mean? It's to honor and respect what they built, <laughs> make sure I don't mess it up, 
and if any way I can prove it, to do it. And that's 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 what the, the title means. Now, what about your son? Is he the the he, great grandson well, of the founders? He, he went to a business school, and they teach him to be a little more formal. So I told him, "This is your title." And he said, "No, Dad, I." I, I have to deal with people because he has a lot of the finances. I have to deal with people who will look askance at, at that title. Okay. Well, then you get to keep it. It's yours and yours alone. Thank you. Getting back to uh, memories and wonderful times, is there is there one period that was more special than another for you in this ride? Oh, yeah. When Share I, it. When, oh, gosh. When I came out of college and— uh, I got to run El Cholo. It was a 140-seat restaurant that had uh, no air conditioning, and uh, we had clientele that came from everywhere, and we were filled every night. And that was the old uh, 48-hour work week, and everyone worked six days. Every server had their own room. We didn't rotate it. It was just that that was their room. They came and set up. The people sat with the same server in the same room as comfort level. You knew those people backward. If someone didn't come in for a couple of weeks, I'd pick up the phone and call them. Are you okay? It was that kind. And I can remember one night, the best night I ever had in the restaurant business, it slowed down. So I sent home the hostess and, and, and the five other servers, and there was only a busser, myself, and two servers. And suddenly the restaurant filled up, and we knocked it out of the park. We were running so fast, but it was like a basket, a skilled basketball team. No look. We knew how to help each other. There was not a missed a beat, and we knocked out. And I walked home that night, and I was so jazzed, and my adrenaline was flowing. I thought, this is, doesn't get any better than that. That's what we talked about earlier, about feeding on that great energy and being so involved. Mm-hmm. But you brought up basketball, so I need to mention another little piece of your book. What is the Patrick Ewan effect? Well, Patrick Unifek was going and said that the, the Knicks that he played for never did well in spite of the fact they had this great big star because they found out that uh, they every, all the players kind of sat back and let Patrick Ewan do the thing. And as you realize, if he saw the, especially the Michael Jackson, uh, Michael uh, Jordan, even if he saw, even though Michael Jordan was Michael Jordan, it still was a team. They had to build that team. And so everybody sat back and, uh, and just let him carry the ball. It was not a team. Uh, the other study I read one time was called the, I forget the name, but, but it, it deals with the uh, a tug of war. And they say there's five people on each side tugging, and I'm looking, and, and there's four guys, and I'm looking, they're all 230-pound guys that are six foot three. I'm not going to pull because, after all, I'm leaving up them. Well, and if you let that go far enough, then nobody's pulling, and so there's th- this strange little phenomena out there you have to deal with. Well, that's why, that's why I think this book of yours, which, again, I'll repeat, what they don't teach you at the CIA, the Culinary Institute of America, is not just a handbook for people in the restaurant business. It's really kind of a gem of philosophy of life because that story about the tug of war and about the Patrick Ewing effect is certainly true in anything. It's not just in business, but it's true in a family. Yeah. If one person's pulling the weight, if, if dad is the only one pulling the weight and everybody else is just going along for the ride, there you go. Yeah. And one of my favorite stories that has nothing to do with anything else that we're talking about, except that was one night I hadn't worked the restaurant for a long time. Manager said, would you work for me? I need the night off. So I went and worked it. Of course, that was the night, the first time in 60-something years, I was walking out after closing the restaurant, a gentleman waiting for me in the lobby. I, he said, are you the manager? And I thought, I know what this is about. He had his hand tucked in his, in his coat. And I said, yes, I am. How can I help? Because that's what we're trained to do. And he pulled out the gun and said, yes, take me to the safe. And, and so he was sitting there with a gun to my temple while I was trying to open the safe. 
And after I left that, I learned, I thought, you know, I can remember, he said to me, take me to your safe. So then I installed two safes in the restaurant because no robber ever says to you after robbing me for one safe, never says, take me to your other safe. You know, and, and I put all the big money in the, in the second safe. You shouldn't have told this story. This you've <laughs> it's just, in the book. You've just, I know it's in the book, but people have to read it in the book. Oh, but now so- by telling the story... You have just given criminals a whole new line of business. No, we're going to install a third story. Come on, we're going to stay ahead of them. Before we came here tonight, I was talking to my mother-in-law about El Cholo. Uh, she's up in L.A., and and uh, she said that for years that um, she used El Cholo's catering services for office parties and things. That's do my, you still do that? It's my wife's business, yes. Well, tell me about that. Well, she started, uh, she um, came to work for me. She was not my wife at the time, and she was very ambitious, and she was doing all of our accounting, and she said, do you mind? I think there's a business future here with the uh, catering. She said, do you mind if I started? I said, no, go ahead. And so she started it uh, probably 30, maybe 40 years ago. I don't know, 35 years ago. Yeah, so she's very proud of it. Well, she does a great job. I'm going to send my mother-in-law a $25 gift certificate, <laughs> even though she didn't call in because she was raving about how wonderful the catering service was, and she hadn't used it in a while and thought— You, you and, did it for her. And, well, I made her think about it, telling her that you were going to be on. Yeah, yeah. So there you go. We're almost out of time, and I thought as we close the uh, our time together tonight, since it is Memorial Day weekend, we need to just say something— important and meaningful about sacrifice because that's sort of what we've talked about tonight about you know sacrificing to do the right thing in business and Mm -hmm. in your family following uh, the traditions of your grandparents and your parents and how that means something still in america we've also touched on what we're going through now and how how it's turned things upside down is there a lesson that we need to really be thinking about in your mind as someone that lived through World War II and everything else on this Memorial Day weekend? Well, I I love this country. I can remember as a young kid walking around and thinking by myself, thinking, why am I so lucky to have been born in this country? Why was I so lucky to be born in the state of California? Why in Los Angeles? I was always questioning why I was so lucky. And so I've always had this feeling. And and then again, I'll deviate a little bit. I don't know if you've ever been to Normandy and seen the cemetery there. Uh, that if nothing, that if that doesn't grab you, nothing will. But I think that the, the fact that America, I love America because I feel, I feel there's such opportunity here. We're so unshackled and have the opportunity, in spite of what happens. Uh, there's so many great stories of people who've rebounded from that, and we will, and we have that opportunity to rebound, and you will be able to. And I think, and I think the other positive thing is I've just realized when this is going on, we have to maintain a positive attitude. You can only harbor one thought in your mind. So why bother with something that's negative? There's plenty to think about negative and drag you down. But you've got to keep on thinking positive because you keep on thinking positive. And, and it, whatever happens, the best that will happen, you can do the best you can, and you can't do any more than that. Do you still have the energy at 86 that you had at 36 okay. and 56? And no, I'm 87. Had, 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 oh, my God, I made you a year younger. Yeah. <laughs> do you still have the energy to face these kind of things Oh, I, yeah. It seems oh, like yeah. you do, Ron. It oh, seems yeah. like you could tackle anything. I'm I'm trying to think of things like if I had lived to 150, and and I date a woman who's 100, am I am I going out with someone's old enough being my granddaughter? <laughs> before we end, sorry, that's all right. <laughs> Listen, before we end, you're about to reopen 
the restaurants in the next couple of weeks, and then the the finer restaurants are opening up up around Father's Day. Share with us a little bit about what you're doing in the next couple of weeks to get ready. Well, we're we're putting in place all the protocols and making sure that everybody really understands it. So we want to stand by it and not let it get out of hand. We're we we are in some cases we feel that the older people will probably be more hesitant to go out to eat. <clears throat> I've talked to a lot of people who maybe are over 50 or 50 or 60, and oh, they're not quite so. I think it's, we're going to end up with a, a younger clientele. We're doing some at the cannery that I've always wanted to do. I've always felt the cannery had the space to have a more moderate, a more a broader-reaching menu, more comfortable menu, and fill the restaurant rather than have empty space, and people would come consequently also more often. We have a new menu there, which before it'll have like lobster rolls, fish tacos, fish and chips. But we also have the Chilean sea bass, uh, some of the finer steaks we have. So I think that's going to be the great direction for us. We've discovered some things. We've discovered an opportunity to uh, uh, right now they're they're allowing us to sell cocktails to, to go. I'm hoping that we're able to keep that. Uh, we're discovering that uh, they're allowing us to create patios in places we couldn't create before. I'm hoping we'll be able to keep that. And Out in the doing, middle of the street. Yeah, that's right. But, <laughs> you know, so anyway, we're doing things to, to move ahead and improve things, and that's the important thing. I've, we, we, for instance, at all the El Cholos, we start off with white guayaberas and red neckerchiefs at the Corona del Mar. I liked it because it made it more elegant and everything. So I said we have to, before we open up the other five El Cholos, have everybody in that because it'll send a message. When people come in, things are going to be kind of messed up and, you know, careless. We're not coming to the same restaurants. So when they walk in, we want to get their attention with, hey, we're doing something to prove. We are moving. We're not just trying to pull you in here. We want to, we want to keep on improving, and I think that's going to be really important. I think that's a great way to end. Any final thoughts? Could I just say that we're closing the Cat in the Custard Cup, which is going to be a tragic, uh, it's been 40 years. My son and his wife and children have poured their heart and soul in that restaurant, and it's been a very, very memorable, huge piece of our life, and he's just not coming out the end of the tunnel between the, the world he's going to inherit, the minimum wage going up, and some of the costs. So and it's a, this is a casualty of this COVID-19 for you personally. Yeah. And yeah. it's and it's not. He is, uh, he is he does an amazing job. I couldn't want anybody to do a better job running a restaurant than he's done. So it has nothing to do with him. It's sad. Forty very years. Sad. That's very sad. Very sad. But we're not going to be negative. What's he going to do? You're going to put him in another. <laughs> he's going to open another El Cholo. No, he, 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 he's 58 years old. He could ski every day. He could. I said, so would you ski 365 days if he could? He said, yes. I said, well, why don't you close this restaurant? You've always wanted to move to Utah. You move to Utah, we'll open an El Cholo there. You can have a good income, and you can ski every day, and I think that's what they're going to do. Well, that's called positive change. (laughs) You have to make the best you can out of it. On that note, thank you, Ron Salisbury, for your time tonight. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for listening to the show. This has been a wonderful evening on Angels Radio this Memorial Weekend. And... uh, I'm Bruce Cook, and I'm very happy to be here, and I wish you all a very safe week, and I hope you'll come back again next Sunday night, only on AM830 KLAA. Good night. You've been listening to the Bruce Cook Conversation. 
Hear the Bruce Cook Conversation on Sundays at 6 p.m. Pacific on AM 830 KLAA. And hear the podcasts of every show on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Pocket Casts, and Radio Public.